This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are live at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. It's our Monday night stop. We're always here for Monday Night Football. Tampa Bay and the G-Men will take on each other a little bit later on this evening. And you could be here to watch all the action. You can get all the prizes, get the hookup with the food, the drinks, the whole shebang. Come on by here, check us out. We have a ton of prizes uh, that we have at the table, so we're definitely going to get you hooked up in a major way. Uh, been letting everyone just kind of let their feelings out, express what they think is going on with this team as they're currently on a three-game losing streak. We'll be talking to Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas in a matter, matter of minutes. But I do have a text from Keith from Sonora that I want to get to. I've been a Raider fan my whole life. I told my wife, don't ever make me choose between you and the Raiders. I've only seen the early 90s and the 2000-2002 team. I'm still waiting for a good team. I won't ever give up. I'm a Raider. That's from Keith from Sonora. Uh, I could appreciate that. And that's, that was my point in the last segment is there's a lot of fans that are Raider fans based off faith. Now, there's some fans that call in to the show that have been fans for 37, 40, 50 years, and they've seen the glory days. They've seen what it's like for the Raiders to hoist the Lombardi. But there's others like me who haven't. There's others, you know, that haven't seen a whole lot, like Keith from Sonora, you know, hasn't seen a whole lot. It just, but, but off of faith, because for some reason, uh, we chose this. We chose the silver and black, and, and that's okay. That's okay to, to do that and, and roll off of faith, but at some point you, lo- you want your faith rewarded. And right now, and I say right now, but it's been a while since it's been rewarded. Right now on the phone lines, we have my guy, Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He was in the press box on Sunday, taking in all the action between Cincinnati and the Raiders. Obviously, the Bengals come away with the victory. And, Ed, we've been talking a lot, especially about the offensive side of things, and they just haven't got clicking in three weeks since they came off the bye. The offense really has been struggling. As far as just the offensive play goes, what do you think is the biggest issue? You know, watching them yesterday, I actually think they're overthinking the room at this point. I, I think when it piles up between two weeks, you can't get a third down on 14 tries um, and third down conversions. Uh, you're not running the ball well at all. Um, the deep threat isn't there to the point it was before with Henry Ruggs, and that's probably going through your mind. I, I think they're overthinking the room, and I think a great example of that was their first drive when they got the, uh, the fumble yesterday. Mm-hmm. They run on the first, they run on, uh, first down, okay. Then there's a pass to Waller in the flat. Now, he did have blockers in that situation, but they still, uh, the Bengals still had numbers, but there were two blockers there. The third down, to me, was preposterous. They, they try another swing pass to Jacobs, and it's incomplete. They never in three downs took a shot at the end zone, and that, to me, is just overthinking the room. If you want to run one time, okay, but you've got to take a shot at the end zone. So I sat there thinking what Greg Olson was thinking about. Another example, at the 50-yard line, third and seven, you know this play. Yes. Derek Carr checks into a run. Why would you do that? And again, we hear from Derek Carr. Well, you know, we had a we had a crease. You know, that play has worked. You know what? It didn't work. It was third and seven. So I just think in their mind right now, it's not going well at all. And they're doing things that you know you wouldn't normally do if the offense was clicking. And they have to get it right because um, you know the record as well as anyone. And what's happened these last three weeks, and I don't know how they turn it, but I do believe Derek Carr yesterday when he says, you know, no one's coming to help him, and no one really cares. 
so it's going to be on them to kind of right the ship and get it right if they, if they can. Yeah, and Ed, you know, one thing I asked Darren Waller kind of at the end of the media sessions last night at Allegiant Stadium was, you know, you guys recognize the problems or you recognize the problems. Are they correctable? And he said he felt that they were. Do you feel like the problems that they have are correctable? Well, you would hope so after, you know, when you're 5-5 five and five that they're correctable because, look, I mean, they, Derek Carr for, what, three, four weeks was, you know, an MVP candidate in people's minds. So right. they must have been done, doing something well then. Um, you know, Waller's had two or three big games. I think people get, you know, a little lost in the fact that, you know, he hasn't had great games every week. He's had two or three big games. And yesterday he had a big game because of two catches down at the end there when they scored. Um, I think he needs to – I think he needs to – I don't like forcing the ball, but I think he needs to take more shots downfield. I just think he's got to do this. Um, you know, and, and what Foster Moreau said I thought was really, really interesting. Even when they were winning early, they were putting bad ball on film. Because you know you were at those games, they yep. started slow. They had to rally in the end, and hey, all credit to them. They were three and zero. I mean, you don't argue with any win in that league. I mean, you never argue with the win in that league because it's so hard to win. But it wasn't like they were completely over impressing everyone every week. But Derek Carr was playing fantastic football, so I would think in their minds it's correctable. And maybe you go back to that film and you study that film instead of yesterday's film and say, okay, what were we doing when it was actually working comparative to now? You won't have rugs. Everyone knows that he's gone. But how can you get back to that, you know, whether it's Deshaun Jackson finally playing a role in this thing, how can you get back to what you're doing those first several weeks offensively? Talking right now with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review Journal here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. What did you make of Derek Carr's media session last night? Usually he answers questions pretty lengthy. His total time talked, I think, was about six minutes, and that's with questions asked. It was very short, and his demeanor to me was very mentally exhausted. What was your biggest takeaways from what you saw and heard from Derek Carr? Um, exactly what you just said, mentally exhausted. He, you know, and he said it. He, Look, eight-year starting quarterback, he probably can't count how many times he had to go up and have that kind of talk with the media. They have not won in his time except the one year they go to the playoffs and he's hurt. Right. Um, so it's been over and over for him trying to explain it. And, you know, I think it's really, you know, edging on him the last three years, you know, six and, th- six and two, five of the last six losses, six and three, eight and eight. Now you're five and two, now you're five and five. And it just keeps snowballing. And no matter what they say, and we know what they're going to say publicly, no matter what they say, that's playing on their heads right now. Because you can't keep doing that every year and it not being and every question about that and that not get seeping your head like, oh, man, is it deja vu? Here we go again. Is it happening? And so I think he's fed up. And I think he realizes, you know, you're eight years in. These careers don't last forever. I mean, if you're two years in, that's one thing. He gets eight years in. He doesn't know if he'll be back next year. There's no dead money against his cap hit next year. They could move on if they want to. So I think there's a lot of stuff going through his mind right now. And it kind of all boiled over yesterday into what you said was a very short, pointed um, press conference. And you know, look, I mean, Derek Carr talks, you know, a lot about his faith and you know, and, and his family and everything. That's all great and everything. So you know, when he's pushed to the limit of you know saying, "Hey, this is a bunch of crap," then you know how he really feels, and he, he's not happy right now. No, he's not. He's not uh, happy at all, and, and he let that be known. And you can see the frustration. You can hear the frustration in his voice. Uh, what did you make of the you can go out to the strip, you can go to dinner reservations, yeah. and then Denzel Perryman come in and say, I have dinner reservations. Did you put those two and two together? And if you did, what yeah. did you think of it? It was weird because it was – you know, this is what happens when you lose. It starts giving mixed messages because on one hand they're saying, hey, this team is different. You know what Foster Moreau said, everyone's there on time after losses, everyone's in film, everyone's in lifting. It wasn't like that before. Same with Derek Carr. He has said that often. It's not the same. 
And then yet they let it slip like, hey, you have a choice. You can go to dinner on the strip or you can get home and watch film. So I think right now when you're losing like this, there's going to be a lot of mixed messages. Guys are going to say different things, searching for answers. And, you know, I just I think this is what snowballs when you lose three straight. And I think Dallas game is really, really important. And, you know, like there's two schools of thought here. They're a game and a half out, although they don't have the tiebreaker, so they're more than a game and a half out. Right. You know, but you're still in it. It's five, you're five and five, and there's 17 games. I mean, if you don't think you're still in it, then you might as well pack it up now. Right. The other part is, and I think I'm going to write this this week, they have to go to Dallas and play desperate. And that's not always a bad thing. But they have to, they have to play and coach especially like their season depends on this game. Because if you go four straight losses, that's not a good thing. You keep falling belong. They have to be desperate. And if you do it the correct way, desperation can be good sometimes because you're not overthinking the room. You're being aggressive, and you're doing what it takes to win a football game. So that's what I would do if I was them. You know, people don't like admitting they're desperate, but sometimes it can work out for you. There's two types of desperate. It's a champion who has to still believe they can be an underdog, which is really hard, or you're the Raiders right now. And I think they need to play desperate on Thursday, and I think so, and sometimes that works out. It's not a bad thing often. I like that, Ed. I really do, and uh, I'm definitely going to be checking out that article when you write it, but that's, that's a great way to summarize it. They need to play and act like they're desperate. Simple as yeah. that. That's that makes a lot of sense. And and you know, like you said, they're five and five, and there's still seven games left. But yeah. I'll tell you, the way that that game well ended and, and wound up, and the way that they played at home, I mean, it, it almost felt like that was a season ender last night. I mean, it, it, it again, it wasn't. They're not mathematically out of it, but Ed, it feels like they're really close. Where a couple more losses, and it's it's lights out. Yeah, they again, um, you know. Three can't become four. They can't become five. Right. And but again, Dallas is banged up. You know, uh, you know they've got the, the two top receivers are out. Mm-hmm. I think Tyron Smith will be out again. Now defensively, with Micah Parsons running around and Diggs <laughs> and those guys, yeah, it's more of to me. It's more can the, can the Raiders find their offense? Can they find some way to get to Dallas and move the ball? I think right now, I think that'll be tough. But they're going to have to find a way if they have any chance to win the game. But you're right. I mean. And if they, you know, and it's so crazy because if they find a way and come home, they get the Washington football team. And all of a sudden, they're seven five. Everything has changed overnight. Right? Is that's how crazy this league is? You look around scores every week. You're like, how in the world did that happen? If it goes the other way, then it's not going to be good. And then at that point, you know, I really think that the, the the conversation about Mariota and others will come into play if this thing really goes south. Right, absolutely. You know, one thing that I heard you guys talking about on the press box this morning I thought was a great point that hasn't been talked about enough is what are your thoughts on how Rich Basaccia has uh, manned the sideline and, more importantly, his timeouts or lack of using his timeouts like at the end of the first half when they really looked like they were confused on if they were going to try to push or if they were just going to sit on it? Yeah, and that's, I think it goes back to, and I don't know this, I don't know who you know, in the media would, I don't really know who's running the show. I mean, Basaccia should be running the show. He's the interim head coach. But I really think he has um, adhered to Olsen offensively, Bradley defensively, and you know, maybe having a say in it, but ultimately you know, adhering to them. The timeouts at the end of the half, when, when you can push it and try to push it, and you have a car- kicker in Carlson who can make a 50-plus, right. I didn't get that. It's like he didn't realize he had two to, two, two to uh, use. And then at the end of the game, I have no idea what he's calling all those timeouts because the game was over. It was like he wanted to give that rookie kicker another chance to kick three points, which was very bizarre. So when things like that happen and you have game management like that, it really brings to light that Rich Bisaccia is a really nice guy. He does well for us in the media. You know, long answers, comes in with his notes. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's an NFL head coach. And I, I, think, you know, I think that at the end of the year, 
depending on where this thing goes, I think there could be a lot of changes, and I think it'll start with a coach. It could be a GM. It could be a quarterback. It just depends on all where this goes, obviously. There's a lot of football left to be played. But I think at this point, we're not really sure who has the ultimate say in things, and that's usually not a good thing. Basaccia says he does, but I still really believe that he kind of adheres to his coordinators on those side of the ball. It feels like it. It sure does. And, I mean, outside of what Gus Bradley's doing with the defense, uh, I mean, Greg Olson's been hit or miss with the offense, obviously. The first couple of weeks it was, okay, this looks pretty good. And then the last few weeks it's like, all right, the defenses have figured that out. It didn't take very long to catch up to them. So yeah. it's a it's – Yeah, and I'll, a, I'll say this about the defense real quick because, you know, um, I mean, horrible penalties yesterday. But yes. I don't think this gets talked about enough. I mean, they're on the field a long time. Yep. And when you keep going three and out and you go 14 straight third downs and you can't convert a third down to save your life, you know, the defense has some silly penalties, but they've been on that field a long time. So, well, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, the defense has been really good these three losses. I will say that, you know, it's hard to keep putting your defense out there. I mean, they just keep putting them out there time and time again. Right. And eventually, I don't care how good guys are, they're going to wear down. Right, and even after they scored on that quick three-play drive, it went 75 yards in three plays. It's like, all right, defense, get back out there yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, so, you're out there again, exactly. Right, and I, I'll tell you, and, and you heard me ask the question to Basaccia, and I asked the question to Derek Carr, and he, I, I feel like he got a little annoyed, but that's okay. Uh, just, you know, it seemed like they waited till the fourth quarter to say, hey, by the way, we can stretch the field. By the way, we can get aggressive offensively. I didn't understand what the – I thought it was a lack of a sense of urgency, but Rich said that they had the urgency. I didn't see it throughout the course of the game until late. No, and and like Foster said, when when they were winning, we didn't see it early. Right. I mean, you know, they they had no sense of urgency in games they actually won. Never mind yesterday when they had no sense of urgency. You know, Carr came said they came out flat. Rich Bisacci in his uh, interview a little while ago, you know, here today earlier today said he didn't agree with that. Said he thought they had a lot of energy. I don't really know where he gets that from. If you're watching the game. Um, but they just didn't. You've got to push down. But what, and you know the numbers here. I, he targeted six wide receivers. Right. I mean, that's you know, Pat Mahomes targets six wide receivers on a drive. <laughs> right. Hey, but Darren I mean, Waller got involved. <laughs> yeah. Well, check that box. And he uh, let that be known. <laughs> check that box. He said. He, right. He, <laughs> the guy doesn't read or listen to anything. But right. Um, no, I, I. You've got to get guys involved, and I, I think Hunter Renfro is a terrific player. And, you know, it probably was true that Ruggs allowed more for Renfro in terms of taking people deep. But you know what? Get some, get some, if you got Deshaun Jackson and that's his role, then get to do that. Right. You can't keep making excuses. Henry Ruggs is never coming back. Nope. So you've got, you know, I saw that on Twitter today, like, you know, 50 people talking about Henry Ruggs. Guess what? He's never coming back. So find a way. Exactly. You've got to find a way to run the ball. Absolutely. I mean, I thought Kenyon Drake had some nice runs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but they're 28th in the league in rushing. Right. You know, yep. and, and people will tell you, people tell you running backs are overvalued, maybe to a point, but not at 28th in the league, they're not. Right. And then there'll be one good play, and then it'd be three bad plays, and then they're punting. Yeah. You know, yeah. so no rhythm, no rhyme, no reason. I mean, just. It was, it was a rough day. It was a rough day at the office, and it's been a rough day at the office the last three weeks. But, Ed, uh, great stuff as always, man. I didn't even get to get into any UNLV talk with you, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll, do that. we'll do that later. DeMond's going to be in the home studio mad at me, but we'll, we'll do that later. Uh, I do appreciate your time as always. What you got coming out on the press box? I'm going to be filling in for you next yeah, week I don't, or this week. Uh, I don't know Wednesday if I'll be able to hold it down. Well, the best show of the month is going to be Wednesday because you're <laughs> going to be there and I won't be. So I don't know what you get. Tyler has. Tyler always has a great um, roundup, so uh, – 
I wish you the best uh, getting in opinions with Tyler. Um, <laughs> that's, it's, often, it's often difficult, but um, no, nah, uh, he does a great job, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I thank you for I uh, thank you for doing that. No problem, no problem. What what, uh, what do you got coming out in the Review Journal that folks should be on the lookout for? Well, I'm going to write that column, and I really think I'm going to write that column that they better show up in Dallas and be desperate. And yep. like I, like I said to you, it's not a bad thing. Sometimes when you play desperate, you don't get so caught up in everything and overthink overthink the uh, overthink everything. So I think they need to be desperate. And they need to go with you said with a sense of urgency, and you know what? Go and and kind of play with your hair on fire and see what happens because you're not going to be favored. No one's going to expect you to win. And sometimes that we've seen across the NFL, those are the games people win. Right, exactly. Ed, great stuff, man. I love that play with play like you're desperate. A little nugget right there. I'm gonna hold on to that one. Thank you so much, my Thanks, man. Brother. Uh, good too, stuff, man. and I'll see you in Dallas. Thanks a lot. I'll see you in Dallas. Bye. All right, brother. There he goes, Ed Graney, ESPN Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Review Journal. Points right there, and I'm so glad. He said, play like you're desperate. Because, I, I mean, that hadn't come to my mind, and that's why we have guys that are smarter than me on because uh, that's, that's a great stinking point from Ed right there. That's exactly how this team needs to play. And I don't know if you could play seven more games desperate, but they need to do everything they can. They need to – I mean, they, hey, man, they need to find teams to be the slump buster. They need to find seven slump busters. And they're already right there in front of them. And I'm not saying that all those teams are easy wins because I don't think any of them are going to be an easy win. But they need to treat them like they are and play desperate. Like he said, hair on fire, full throttle. 317 is the time. We're live at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Lots of prizes. Folks starting to roll in, getting ready in preparation for Monday Night Football. Right now, Houston is on top of Butler, 60-40. to 40, The Maui Invitational as 12th-ranked Houston, uh, big-time college basketball game going on but uh, there's a lot of good stuff here on the tvs you'll see monday night football in a matter of well less than a couple hours so uh, come on by hang out with us this is unnecessary roughness on raider nation radio 920 give me your best what's up raider nation this is uh hall of famer tim brown you're listening to raider nation radio 920 <laughs> what's up raider nation this is hall of famer tim brown and you listen to raider nation 920 Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 322 is the time. Coming up at 3.30, we'll have Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, going to talk to him about what's going on with the Oakland A's and their attempt to secure some land here in Las Vegas to uh, potentially move as, well, it sounds like they're uh, chasing the Raiders' tails, trying to trying to head to, to Las Vegas, or are they just bluffing? Are they just trying to put some pressure on the city of Oakland? Well, there's... Uh, a city here that is willing to give them some land, so we'll talk to Mick about that. We'll also ask him about Henry Ruggs being in court this morning, the the fallout from that, and where does he go from there. And that's going to be something to continue to monitor because, well, Henry Ruggs is still a a, a big a big deal. The name is a big deal, and and what happens with him uh, absolutely matters, you know. So we'll be paying attention to it. So we'll get an update from Mick Akers coming up at three thirty. Let's hustle up to the phone lines. Though we have a lot of good. Uh, patient listeners waiting for us, and we do appreciate them. Up first is my guy, Fargo Raider. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, Q and DeMond, my cutties. How y'all doing? <laughs> Say, Cuddy, what's up, man? Chilling, man, chilling. <laughs> you know? Yes, sir. Hey, I'm going to say, I know the name of the, of the program is Unnecessary Roughness, but come on, guys, keep your shots to yourselves. You ain't got to go after my guy like that. You, you <laughs> do a lot for us, man. You give us a platform, you let us talk, you, you kind of, you know, Make it a barbershop feel so that we can be comfortable in here and talk. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you, even if there's some people out there that don't. And I, I'm going to say, man, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I, have, I haven't seen winning football 
All I've known is is what we've seen these last 20 years that I can recall Raider football. You know, right. every year we get built up and every year we get let down. I'm I'm I always invest emotionally in this team because I love my team so much. Right. And it hurts to see this happen, but I still love my team. I'm still going to be here cheering for them. I'm not going to invest that in, emotionally as I have. And it's about managing expectations for us. Right. We have a job to do as Raider fans, and that's to support our team. You know, take, take the, take the uh, positives, appreciate that, and grow through the negative stuff. We can't do nothing, man. I understand what Carr said. He's been a uh, fan for 20 years, and he's tired of this crap. At least you had the chance to do something about it, my guy. Right. The rest of us are just sitting here helpless, you know, watching this happen. And we still love you guys. We still defend you guys. Right. And, Absolutely. And, you know, it's going to be like that every day. It's still Raider Nation till we die. We're loyal to the soil around here. You know, you guys have a good one. Thank you for taking my call, Q. Hey, great stuff, man. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. You know, as a fan, a lifelong fan myself, I, I get the frustrations. I know exactly where everyone's coming from. I and I'll just make this brief because I know we got another caller I got to get to. I don't lose my blank anymore over a Raiders loss only because things that I've had happen in my personal life have taught me that the Raiders aren't going to make me and they're not going to break me. So I've learned that there's more to my life, and I'm just speaking for me. I'm not speaking for anyone else that's a Raider fan. You, hey, you can approach anything the way you want to. I just know from my personal experiences, and that's all we can ever learn from in life is our personal experiences. The Raiders are not going to make me or break me. I don't wake up and go to sleep based off what the Raiders do. Now, I used to. There was a time in my life when they lost, I was the worst guy to be around. No one wanted to be around me. Nobody wanted to call me. I was that guy. I was angry. I was pissed off. I was calling people names. Not you, but, you know, other guys. I was calling people names. I was, I was angry. But after... Multiple major events, I've realized that that football team is going to be just fine. They're going to do what they need to do. The ownership's going to be fine. The players are going to be fine. The players come and go. They do. I, I just don't hang my hat on it like I used to. And I'm not, I'm not discouraging you. I'm not encouraging you not to care. I'm not saying that. And I do care. It bothers me. I want to see them win, but I just don't lose my blank like I used to. Because I've had way more things in life that I've lost that mean way more than what the football team is doing. They're going to be fine with or without me. Up next, Colorado Raider Mike. What's on your mind, my man? Going on, Brad? Uh, what's Chilling. up, Q? Chilling. Hey, man, before I go on my rant, man, I want, I want to thank you, DeMond, Benny, everybody who, who, who represents the Raiders, man. I'm sorry that they continue to let everybody down, man. Um, but what I will say, man, is uh, what, you, what you just said, you know, uh, make, making making the Raiders a priority. You know, every Sunday, man, uh, just you have to go out there. You have to continue to, to, to rep your team. But every Sunday, man, it just seems like they, they're a constant disappointment. Every single time, man, from, from, from the top of the organization to the bottom. You know what I mean? And, and man, there's so many things that I could bring up right now that just, that just frustrate me about this team, man. You know, it, it's it, excuse after excuse after excuse every week. We're losing the teams we should beat. You know, um, as, as I stated before, you know, uh, every team in every team in the league can exploit our weaknesses, but yet we can't exploit theirs. 
it's always something, man. And it always seems like it comes down to, you know, excuses. Like when when these, these guys are paid millions every single week, they get they every single every single week, every other week, they get them checks. They're able to go cash them checks in. But yeah, we're we're fans sitting we're we're fans just sitting there waiting for them to produce because we love our team so damn much, man. You know what I mean? And right. it's it's just completely frustrating, man, that you know people prioritize them in life to even sit here and try to go out and, and, and hope for, for something to happen. And it's the same thing every single year, man. It's the same old, you know, we'll start off good. Right. We'll start off good first half of the season. We'll start off five and two, three and two, what however it starts. What happens the second half of the season? And I've said this for years, man. Press clipping. We we read those. Oh, the, the Raiders are on the up. The Raiders are on the up. Guess what? We read those and guess what? It comes right back on it comes right back to bite us in the butt right. every time. And, and it is so frustrating, man, because I feel let's let's make it known right now. We got the best fan base. In America, agreed. No fan base any other sport touching us. Agreed. But at the same time, man, they got to do something to back it up. We've been around for years, generations on top of generations. Right. When are they going to do something to to help to help us feel like, man, give us some hope? Right. You know, I'm on the I'm on the the I was a car fan, but I'm telling you, man, I just for some reason. Where I'm at now with it, man, I feel like, you know, at times, it, it's holding us back a little bit. I feel like it's holding us back because you can't tell me, and when I say you, I mean, like, I got I'm, you. I'm talking about I got you. other You can't tell me that Edwards, Jacobs, and all them players, just they just, they come out of college as top prospects and all that. They just come to the Raiders, and all of a sudden, this is happening. That's happening. They came from winning programs. Right. So when they're coming from winning programs and stuff like that, they're not used to losing. And they get in the league, you know, things happen. It's 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 up and down, you know. Right. That's happening. That's life, and that and that's sports in general. But come on, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's so frustrating, man. And I love my I love my team to death. I love my Raider Nation family to death. But man, when is it going to pay off for us? Good question. Good question. Thank you for the call. Uh, that's that's Raider Mike in Colorado. We actually have another Raider Mike that we'll get to, but we got to get to our guy Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal. And I'll say this: I'll, I'll address that after we finish talking to uh, to Mick because uh, that was a really good call, very informative, and I'll, I'll talk about that after we talk to Mick. But right now on the phone lines, we do have Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Mick, thank you for your time. I appreciate you uh, hopping on the last second there. And I, I wanted to uh, kind of switch gears, and we've been talking all things Raiders. I wanted to uh, talk about the, the Oakland A's and the fact that it looks like that they're trying to hustle their way to Vegas and uh, possibly looking at a couple different places of land. And I know on Friday, I, I believe it was Friday, it rolled out that uh, the A's president had told you they had put in an offer on some land in the Las Vegas Valley. And then I saw a tweet from you saying that uh, uh, Howard Hughes Corporation is op- open to offering free land if the Oakland A's relocate to Summerlin. So where are we? What's the latest and the greatest with the A's trying to uh, get out to the 702? Yeah, you know, so, you know, they've been going out this uh, exploration of Vegas, you know, since May when Major League Baseball gave them the green light to come and, you know, look at potential relocation to Las Vegas. Uh, so they, they've been here off and on several times since then. Uh, been pretty quiet in the last few months. Uh, just kind of, I guess, 
they noted it's getting a little bit more serious and it's more behind the you know doors business action going on here. So he, they, uh, Cavill came out and was like, hey, we actually put a, a bid on a piece of land in Vegas. So he didn't specify where, but I know they've been sniffing around the resort corridor mainly, uh, a couple of sites in Summerlin and then Henderson. So he said, hey, we have it down to about two or three sites. Hopefully, uh, end of December, beginning of January, we'll uh, release the final site. So I'm going to assume the land, the land deal that they put in goes through and they have you know possession of the land. That's when they're going to come out and say, hey, here's the land we own. So they'll have to have any kind of you know issues with anyone else trying to come in and swoop in and get that land from them. So it looks like, you know, he mentioned it's, it's, it's a more serious action going on rapidly than they thought. Uh, so, you know, it looks like Vegas is becoming more of a, you know, reality, I think, as far as the A's goes, even though they have some stuff going on out in Oakland, still not all wrapped up, a few issues there on that end. So, you know, it's hard to say, you know, if it's 50-50 or whatnot, but, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in this. Yeah, and, you know, to me, it feels like uh, nothing in Oakland's going to get done until I see ground break. You know what I mean? Until I see shovels in the ground, I'm, I'm not going to believe that anything's going to happen in Oakland. Do you think that they're, they're putting in this plan or they've, they've put in this plan for a, a plot here in the Las Vegas community uh, as a backup plan, or do you feel like it may be closer to being, hey, this is going to be plan A? Well, you know, they, the, city, the city of Oakland approved their own term sheet in July. Right. The A's, you know, they weren't in favor with that one. It wasn't their own that they submitted. So since July, they've been trying to, you know, smooth out some of these differences. And here we are. I'm going to December here coming up next week, and they still have the same issues. So, you know, obviously a few months removed, and they still have the same issues. So, you know, kind of a stalemate out there. Um, so I, I'm going to say well, with the, you know, the general acceptance that they've had, you know, from business leaders out here and, you know, elected officials and such, uh, I think – They've like, hey, look at the Raiders, look at the Knights, they're doing great out here. Uh, right. Why couldn't we do that? So uh, it looks like, you know, they see that success and, they, you know, it kind of has them salivating what they can do out here. Um, new market, new fans, uh, new stadium that's going to generate new revenue with new partnerships, especially with the, the gaming realm here. So, you know, I think just as they kept going through with this process and seeing, you know, more and more that the city and the area had to offer, I, you know, I think it's not really a ploy, it's just kind of a, I think, you know, they, they kind of want to be here, it looks like. Uh, so, uh, just, like I said, you got to wait and see how it plays out in, in Oakland. That was, you know, that was their option one right now. But with everything stalling out there, uh, you know, it just looks like Vegas is looking a little bit more attractive now. So, Mick, this is what really caught my attention is the offering of the free land if the Raiders relocate to Summerlin. What, what, what can you give us the details? What kind of details can you give us on that? Yeah, so, you know, Howard Hughes and the A's have a long-standing partnership. Uh, Howard Hughes Corporation owns the Aviators, the AAA franchise, and the Las Vegas ballpark that they play in. Mm. So, you know, they've had this long relationship, and the, the A's have been out to Summerlin basically almost every trip. They've been out here since May looking at sites, and Dave Cavill has mentioned a couple up there about the views they can have, which you look one way, you see the Las Vegas Strip, and then if you look the other way, there's Red Rock Canyon right there, you know, in nature, so it's like a a little nice mix of, you know, what Vegas is known for and what's in our backyard. Uh, so he, he's been very impressed. He mentioned it almost every trip. So uh, so um, the, the last trip they were out here, apparently they are at some uh, parcel of land over there at 215 and some of the parkway, not too far from Las Vegas ballpark, where the A's are interested in some land. And I was talking to their uh, senior vice president from Howard Hughes, 
And he said they'd be open to donate the land to them if they wanted to come out to Summerlin. Uh, said possibly working out some other, you know, business end deals. Obviously, he said we couldn't, you know, offer as much as a, a state or a local jurisdiction, but, you know, they have a little bit more than land to offer as well. So uh, I know the A's were looking to get some kind of public-private partnership, and, you know, Howard Hughes seems receptive to that. Wow, interesting. That's going to be really interesting. We're talking right now with Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Does a fantastic job covering everything here in the Las Vegas uh, area at Mick Akers on Twitter. And uh, I did want to turn our attention real quick to uh, Henry Ruggs, and he was in court this morning. I know your colleague, Caitlin Newberg, has done a great job kind of covering that like a glove as well. But uh, he missed the alcohol test last week. The judge ordered him to court today. I saw him show up, saw a video on your Twitter account. What can you tell us about Henry Ruggs and, and where he's at right now as far as, you know, what they're talking about with him yeah so when he first you know he got booked in charge and all that they uh he, i guess he had a cast on his leg they said so they didn't put the, the traditional anchor uh, ankle monitor on there which you know 24 7 alcohol monitoring and you know wherever in location monitoring and everything right they gave him a handheld one so i guess that would send a text saying hey you got to do the the test and he they, that's when he was supposed to be administered the test so his legal team landed on a new cell phone number. Uh, the judge today uh, wasn't having that, so she ordered him to get an ankle monitor. So he's going to have that ankle monitor on 24-7. So if he has any kind of alcoholic beverage or anything like that, it's going to detect it, and you know that's going to cause some issues, especially you know, with, if you, when you go for plea deals and all that. If you're not going by you know the terms of your house arrest, it's, it's going to play an issue in your legal system there. What about uh, another court date? Is he uh, is he expected to be back in court anytime soon? Uh, I, I know December was a date that we were looking at or we were seeing that he was going to go and, and find out actually his uh, his charges. Is that is that still kind of a December target? Yeah, they're looking at like mid December. Uh, they're gonna they're trying the defense trying to get the his girlfriend's medical records because if she had substantial injuries, there's going to be some new charges likely added because that's going to be another substantially bodily harm caused by DUI. So um, they're looking to get that. Uh, his team, you know, trying to block that saying, you know, that's not of their legal right. So there's going to be a little bit of, of you know, back and forth on that end. So he's expected to be back then. then. Um, so, uh, you know, you're going to start seeing these court dates pop up pretty regularly, especially with the high profile nature of this uh, case. Um, so, you know, it's, Kind of be in the news cycle pretty much uh, every month, I think. Well, it's going to be interesting. Uh, it, it really is, and I know he's not a member of the Silver and Black anymore, but still just kind of want to see how those proceedings go. Well, Mick, great job as always, my man. I just want to check in with you and get the latest and the greatest when it came to the A's and also Henry Ruggs. You got anything coming out on the Review Journal that uh, folks should be on the lookout for? I'm uh, just working some uh, other A's angles. Um, nothing concrete yet, but, uh, you know, just trying to work in the back avenues, trying to, you know, figure out what's going on, uh, maybe where that land is. So I'm trying to nail that down right now. All right. Well, I'll, be, I'll definitely be paying attention, man. Like I said, you do a great job. Uh, we definitely appreciate your time as always. Uh, thanks, Keith. All right, there he goes, Mick Akers, Las Vegas Review-Journal, just kind of giving us a skinny on what's going on with the A's and also the Henry Ruggs case. Uh, 3.39 is the time. Demond, should we take a break real quick? <laughs> we'll take a break. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're preparing for Monday Night Football. Come on by, get hooked up with some prizes. Been giving out some T-shirts, some koozies, some cups. We got some calendars. You ready for 2022? We got the calendar for you. Come on by, get hooked up. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Hall of Famer Marcus Allen, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. 
Hey, Hey, Raider Nation, this is Marcus Allison. You're listening to Radio Station 920. Say Raider Nation Radio 920. Raider Nation Radio Station 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Just got a few minutes left of today's show live at the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Underground Lounge is the location we're preparing for Monday Night Football. Uh, got a lot of really good callers lined up, so we're going to get to them. But I want to hit this text real quick, and I apologize to Mailman Raider Max, who's hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, multiple times. And for some reason, your text keeps getting caught up in the shuffle and in the mix, and I keep missing it, so I apologize off top. He said, Derek Carr is a decent quarterback. He needs everything around him to be stable for him to thrive. He's like Phil Jackson. That being said, you remove Carr from this team, the Raiders don't win another game this year. That's from Mailman Raider Max, and that's a really good way of summing it up, man. It really is, and, uh, you know, some quarterbacks thrive in situations where they have to really, really create, and I think that Carr is a good quarterback, like you mentioned. I I do think it's obviously a lot better when he has some weapons around him, and I I felt like at the beginning of the season, pretty much everything was in place. The questions were obviously the offensive line, and the offensive line has had its ups and it's had its downs, but... Um, you know, without rugs and that speed out there, that's been a problem. The wide receivers haven't been getting separation. That's not on Carr. That's on them. Zay Jones, I was very high on him and his opportunity to, to come in there and shine now that, now that uh, you know, he's, he's a starter. And it just hasn't, hasn't happened. It just hasn't. So, you know, when you think that a guy has a big-time opportunity to, to make something happen and he doesn't do it, well, then you kind of realize why he wasn't a starter to begin with. You know, when they always say the next man up, uh, what do I always say? The next man up, if he was you know, good enough to be the man, he would have been the man and wouldn't be the next man up. There'd be someone else. So, uh, unfortunately, it just hasn't shooken out for Zay Jones, and, and the wide receivers have not been able to get any separation for Carr. Running game has been non-existent. And Darren Waller, yeah, he had seven catches yesterday for 100-something yards, but to me they weren't even that effective except for that drive, that one drive where they got into the end zone. So uh, thank you, uh, Mailman Raider Max. Again, apologize that I missed your, your text messages. Let's hustle out to uh, Michael right here in Vegas. What's on your mind, my man? How you doing? Hey, Raider Nation. Hey, guys. Um Here's my take. I'm done with Carr. It's time to park the car. Okay. Um, he's got no threat of running. The defenses know this. The, the D-backs are just going back and covering our, our receivers because they know Carr's not going to run. The, uh, the, the rushers are just going right off the car. They know he's not going to kick off and run. We need a running quarterback. We need to get Mariota out there. Dude, I don't know if you remember the Giants game. It was 10-all. We're 5-2. and two. Second eight on like the thirteen, and Carr runs down to the five and takes does the slide three yards short or two yards short of the line. I mean, for what has he ever won a Super Bowl where he's trying to protect himself? If he would have ran right through those guys, we would have had first and goal on the two. We probably would have won the game. Instead, he saves himself. Saves himself for what? He's never won a playoff game. He, why is he saving himself? What is he a special? Qu- He's never won a playoff game. It's time to get rid of him. Please get Mariota out there. All right. Great stuff. Great stuff. Thank you. I can hear the frustration and the passion in your voice. And, I, hey, I get it, man. You want him to run through the guy and truck him. And, uh, yeah, that's fine. And if Mariota is the guy, then great. But if he gets hurt and, and Mariota is not the guy, then what? You know, I mean, that's the chance you take. And I get it. You're, you're, you're ready to make that, take that chance because you haven't seen what you want to see. And, yeah, Carr hasn't won a playoff game. Hell, he hasn't played in the playoffs. The one time that the Raiders made the playoffs, he was injured. So I get the frustration. I appreciate the call. appreciate you uh, airing it out. Let's go to ABA Ivan Davis. He's up next. What's on your mind, my man? 
Hey, how's it going, Q? Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, uh, I, I wish I would have been on and heard the person that was criticizing you. You give us a chance to, you know, shed our tears. That's the <laughs> only thing that gets us through the week, man, is that one, two minutes we get with you to say what we have to say, whether you whether it's good or not, and that, that kind of gets you through the week. Okay, and so uh, at least until the next one. Uh, but uh, my yeah. thing about car, I'm a uh, – chime in on my man from Vegas here. I respectfully disagree with you. I'm coming from a coach's perspective. Because every time I see, I like to see that blimp view. Because I want, I want to see the whole picture. I, right. I hate the TV view. To see everything. Okay, and so, uh, my problem with Carr is play calling. Okay, I'm putting this on. Not all of it. Carr has his faults. That's true. Okay, but the, the play calling. Why? Or who called the end-around to Deshaun Jackson? Why, why did you really get him for that? Right. Seriously? Right. He's, he, that's 14 years later. Okay, rookie, Deshaun Jackson, I'll buy that. The man was spectacular at that point. He had a different type of body. But you got him to stretch deep. Right. And see, speed, let me just give you a tip about speed. You probably already know. Speed is only good for straight line. You have to be able to run routes. Deshaun Jackson can run routes. That one play he got that messed up, I mean, the man was sitting back five yards, and he still beat him by five yards. Why? Because he can run routes. Yep. You got to stretch the field. You, you got you got to throw deep. Yep. It doesn't matter if you get picked. Just just let him know that you throw deep. Otherwise, none of that stuff will open up in the middle. I looked at the defense last statement. Look, I looked at the defense. They had eight, nine, ten people within twenty yards. Maybe one or two people. Maybe three at most. Okay, uh, deep. They were like, "Dare you? Please throw deep. We don't think you're going to do it." Okay, until that change, the offense goes nowhere. That means you won't be able to run either because it's just too many people there. Right, no doubt. Good stuff, good stuff. Appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, I'll say this. A lot of it has to do with play calling. That end around to Deshaun Jackson, I didn't like that either. I really didn't. That's not, what, like you said, what you got him for. Plus, I don't know if the Raiders didn't notice, but the Bengals tried to get cute and do that with Jamar Chase, and they didn't get the first down. And then the Raiders go ahead and turn it around and do the same thing, and they didn't get that either. You know, I'm sorry, on third and one, if you can't run it and get that one yard, then you better drop back and you better pass. But I don't want to see these end of rounds and all that other cute stuff. No need to get cute, man. This is, this is a sport where it's, you know, you got to be, you gotta be uh, fast, you got to be physical, you got to be strong, you know, you got to be a bully on the line of scrimmage. And that's just not what you're seeing, and that's not what they're doing when, when you're seeing end of rounds to Deshaun Jackson, like you said, 14 years in the league. Uh, thank you for that. Let's go out to the other Raider Mike, another Raider Mike. we got a couple Raider Mikes. What's on your mind, my man? What up, man? You there, Q? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Anyway, no, D.C. says he wants to deliver a title, Lombardi, to the Raiders. I didn't see that. I, what? Are you kidding me? That was ridiculous. Him moping around on the bench, not getting any everyone's face. You need to show it to us. You need to go to Dallas Put your game face on and do what you did to Denver, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Cut loose. Balls to the wall. Put the pressure on that defense and keep our defense fresh. This is ridiculous because you are playing for your job, D.C. If you don't get us to the playoffs, you're gone. Mr. Rogers is coming to the Vegas neighborhood. Get used to it. Get your game on or you're gone. Sorry, bud. Peace. I'm out. Later. Thanks, man. Thanks for the call. I do appreciate you. Good stuff. 
uh, as always. And, yeah, I, I'll tell you, I, didn't, I wasn't a big fan of him standing, not standing on the sideline, but sitting in the one spot that he always sits, and he just, you know, the fire wasn't there. I, I, and, you know, everyone doesn't have that same demeanor. I get it. It just, you know, it, to me, I'd like to see him a little fired up, a little pumped up, going up and down the sidelines, talking to his players. Hey, you guys, come on, we got it on this one. This is what we're going to do. But that's just, that's just not who he is. So, um, you know, I, I don't know about Aaron Rodgers and that whole situation. I don't know if you really want that guy leading the charge either. I mean, he's, I know he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. But, man, he's got his own issues. So I don't know if that's, uh, that's something that you want either. Uh, real quick, uh, got a text from my guy in the 209. Hugh got his sympathy from his callers. I said you suck because gamblers suck. Effing degenerate. Dude, I am, the, I am the one guy who is not a gambler. I talk about triple-double diamond because that's all I know even how to play. And that's not even no strategy. You press the button. <laughs> I'm not a degenerate. <laughs> if I play $100, which I did on Friday night, perfect example, I went out with my wife on Friday night. We had a date night. We went and had dinner. And I said, hey, honey, I'm going to play 100 bucks on this machine and see what happens. I lost. And after $100, I walked away. It's not a degenerate. It's just I was having fun. A degenerate is someone who sits in front of the machine or sits at the poker table or loses their everything to the point where they're putting their family at risk. I'm not doing all that, bro. <laughs> and I don't need sympathy. I'm just telling you right now, I'm not doing that. I work hard. I'm going to play hard. I'm going to have a good time. When you pay my bills, you tell me. As long as I get my stuff taken care of, don't worry about what I do. As long as I'm doing it responsibly and handle my business, don't worry about me. Talk about a damn machine. I'm in a casino. What do you want me to talk about? <laughs> Degenerate. Get out of here, dude. I always encourage everyone to chime in, but are you kidding me? Because I'm willing to share that I... Don't mind playing a triple-double diamond. I'm an effing degenerate in those words. Kick rocks, homeboy. Seriously. That is ridiculous. I hope that glass house that you're living in is, uh, is fantastic. Hope the sun is shining bright through your uh, glass-ass house. That's ridiculous. I don't even want to take any more calls, man. 3.54 is the time. That's going to do it for us. I'm going to wrap up the show on that high note. Thank you. Hold on, Q, 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 Q. What? But I bet he's going to listen tomorrow. I don't care. If, I don't want to say that. I'm not going to say that. I don't want to be disrespectful. But I'll tell you what, that does piss me off. You don't know nothing about me, Jack. You don't know nothing about me. All my bills are paid. I'm taking care of my business. My kids are taking care. Don't call me no degenerate. You don't know me from Adam. You don't know me at all. Because your team is losing? Make me a damn degenerate. Don't, be the, don't let me be the scapegoat because your team's not losing or not winning. You got a lot of damn nerve trying to call someone out when you don't know nothing about me. And, yeah, I shouldn't, even, I shouldn't get pissed off about it at all. I shouldn't even care, but I do. It's ridiculous. Vinny Bonsignor is up next. I'm still here at the Oyo. We're hanging out. Monday night football. We're going to watch some football, some sports. That's what we do. 4 to 6 p.m. Vinny's got you on deck. I'll be checking in. Sun Necessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920.